can come and just be refueled with energy. Just be refueled with good life, with uh, with positive energy to go through the day. Because we know that like depression is at an all-time high. Mental illnesses are at an all-time high. You know, people are really feeling lonely. And so if, the, if we could be that place for you for even just a few minutes, you know, to give you some dope information that sounds smart around your friends with, then hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Yo, this is everything my brother said it was, and I appreciate you, bro, for the energy that you bring to this show every week. Uh, you bring that energy from Exeter. Exeter is most definitely in the building by way of Johannesburg. You feel me? Uh, we appreciate you for everything that you do, and of course, we appreciate our producer, Hassan, for everything that he do to bring this show to you, right? But y'all already know what's going on on this side. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. Right? Chicago was cared for. This land that I love, that I belong to, was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, and the violence done to remove those First Nations people from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in this land, right? The violence that we see in this city, this country, this world. Uh, so that's our way of lifting up our history. That's our way of lifting up love between black and brown people the world over. Uh, and that's how you know the intro's over. Let's get into the show. Let's do it. Yo, without further ado, my, I'm super excited to talk to you this week because we actually haven't had a lot of time to be able to speak as friends outside of business. You know, we do a lot of work together. So this week, I think uh, our producer always uh, comes through with some pretty interesting uh, topics for us to be able to go into. And I'm generally interested to hear what you got to say about these things. Yeah, man, it's always, that's something I've been meaning to, like, we got to figure out a way that we got some non-pod, non-mandulo, non, you know, we need some just kickback time. I've been trying to get us to sit down for a fight for a minute. Uh, we got to just kick back and chill uh, because in times like this, man, it's looking crazy out there. It's important to lock arms with your people, uh, check in with each other. And we have the, the pleasure of doing a lot of business together. And so we got to figure out how to incorporate some more pleasure into that business. You feel me? But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, this is it's been a it's been a heck of a week, bro. I'll, I'll, I don't usually do this, but uh, I'll go ahead and say that I had a birthday earlier this week. And so for that to be such a celebration and for us to to come into this to end the week on such a crazy note with the with the repeal of Roe v. Wade. Um, it's really got me thinking about history. It's really got me thinking about time. It's really got me thinking about the age that I am growing up in. You feel me? And uh, when something that has been precedent for 50 years, right, a right that we all thought we would have access to, uh, and by we all, I mean men and women, uh, for that to be repealed, it's got me thinking about what is sustainable? What is something, what can we believe in? What is, what holds true over time? Are we moving forwards or backwards? So I'm all jumbled up and I'm glad I get to come to the space and talk to you about it. Yeah, the news on Roe v. Wade, on Roe v. Wade being overturned, which would essentially um, abolish the rights to abortions. Could you clarify a bit exactly on what these implications actually are? So what's happened is um, the Supreme Court has really turned the decision on whether people have the right to an abortion back over to individual states, right? Which means that certain states, particularly southern states, um, 
or conservative states, right, across the country have what's called trigger laws, which means as soon as the federal government says we are no longer guaranteeing this right for women across the country, for people across the country, uh, these state laws are prohibitive of abortion. Some of them are completely prohibitive. Some of them are prohibitive without, um, with exception for certain things like rape and incest. But it means the denial of services to a widespread bunch of people across the country um, with the snap of a finger, right, with the with the decision coming down, I think, on Friday. So what had happened was we got the leak a couple of weeks ago, which I need to do is go back and check out our episode when we got the leak because we invited uh, our, our resident sexual and reproductive health educator Lilani on to really give us the 411 and really break down what these means for everybody, right? Um, and now we're at the point where that leak of the decision is, has been actually manifested in the actual decision coming out. But at least for me, I'll say that knowledge of the leak didn't really even lessen to me how like devastating it was for this news to actually like transpire. I wonder what it says about American society at the moment, man. You know, it's hard not to, from the outside looking in, uh, really ask yourself, you're seeing these mass shootings increase at a high rate, or, you know, we're trying to reword, we're trying to, we're trying to reword uh, certain phrases. So are we seeing these uh, high, uh, these uh, multiple casual victim shootings, right? Um, because I think mass shootings, in that word alone, too, there's a there's a hysteria that's attached to it that you know, keeps the system, keeps the the action going. But in those cases, you're seeing that happen more often. You're seeing these uh, Roe v. Wade getting overturned. You're you're seeing a bunch of uh, increased uh, rental prices. It just really seems like right now the U.S. is going through a really difficult moment as, as a society. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't limit that to the U.S., right? We've we've touched on a lot of international stories that indicate that just people in general are not in a in a good place, right? Not least among those is the war um, in Ukraine with Russia's invasion. There's like there's there's civil violence going on in Sri Lanka right now. Um, you know, there's what's going on in in, in Palestine as well. Uh, I mean, it's it's all over, right? We're at this moment where we're really struggling to confront issues in a serious way um, because I think we have so much distractions and we've made so much technological progress that's brought us comforts in so many ways that it's really hard to reconcile that comfort with all the like the horrible looks that are going on around the world, right? So. Um, I think what this means for America is that we are divided. Um, I think it means that we are struggling to ensure that our system represents our true will and desires, right? There are, there's polling out there that's been circulating a lot um, in the orbit of this story that's saying that actually the majority of Americans want for abortions to be available to most folks, um, even with some restrictions. That's not necessarily what's being carried out here. So I think we're in a place where we have to look at our systems and do they represent us the ways like, so that brings us back to the the easy thing, the thing we always hear, right? Go vote, absolutely vote, vote in your local elections. Um, 
do we got to do the background research on what the people who are putting in positions of power believe uh, and whose pocket they're in, right? So I think we're just we're seeing a system that doesn't represent a lot of our a lot of our values, um, and I think we're seeing a lot of more extreme values because of the way that they're willing to navigate the political landscape in a way that a lot of folks on the left aren't or just are can't um, winning out, and so. I think we have to if you if this scares you, if this uh, worries you, frightens you, deeply disturbs you. Right. Then I think we have to think about who are the people that have been organizing around this work, who've been saying to care about this for a long time and turn to them with a willingness to listen and volunteer our time, our money um, and whatever else is required to create a space that reflects our values. You heard my brother vote. Vote. See our local people that are already doing this. Support your local community organizers. Where else can you get that type of impact information and update? Um, something that is also super valuable is make sure you donate to uh, your local funds, like uh, national abortion funds, like my brother Miles was saying. Uh, there's the Chicago Abortion Fund as well. Shout out to our producer working to bring that up. You see it. You see it. Um, get active. In times like this, it's time to get active. And something that we've also been learning is quite active is Alexa in your home. Listen. <laughs> Probably too active. This is gay too. I'm not really sure how to intro this one. Because uh, I want to go to the jokes. But also, I'm sure this is, I'm sure this is like a deeper topic for some people. Um, so I guess this is me saying, y'all going to get these jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way to avoid the jokes on a conversation like this. Uh, this week, we heard that Alexa essentially can mimic the voice of uh, anybody, um, live or dead. So that immediately brought people to saying that Alexa can mimic your dead relatives, um, is how the, the story was packaged. Miles, how do you feel about Alexa potentially being able to mimic your dead relatives? Well, I'll be the first one to jump out there and say, y'all know me, I am Conspiracy Miles, right? I don't want no Alexa in my home. I don't want no Google Home in my home. I don't want nothing that's listening and waiting for me to say something in any capacity in my crib. So I've been against these things from the jump, and I just am continuing to see further evidence of why now. Uh, and one big now is like, I, I think what, what immediate my immediate thought is, that doesn't seem like healthy behavior, right? When somebody passes, um, and I've recently just had somebody pass in my family. When somebody passes, you want to celebrate their life. You want to reflect on whatever they've been able to contribute to your family, to uh, the legacy of that of that family, to you as a as a person, the ways they've helped you grow, and 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 then you got to let them go, right? And this to me seems like an impediment to the process of letting that loved one go. Now, 
I'm sure there are individual cases where it's like, no, I just really love this person's voice. I wasn't really even thinking about it, but if I could have that, that's cool. Cool. And I think there are other people that are like, wait, no, I actually need something to ease that process of grief. And this is a way that I can extend that. Right. And that's what they marketing it as. They say and make the memories last, which to me is we already get in black mirror territory. But I can see where somebody would say it hurts so much that I need to extend this. And like this is a way of doing that. Um, I would personally be creeped out, but to each his own. Zway, whose dead Alexa are you going to bring to life? I would definitely start with hip hop Alexis. First of all, I'd make it the voice of Snoop Dogg potentially. I'd make it the voice of Snoop Dogg is probably something that I would definitely do. Uh, but that being said, when you listen to the reasons of why they're actually trying to develop how this technology is getting developed, you do realize that a lot of people are utilizing Alexa. A lot of people use like utilizing Alexa. What they're saying is that they get about a billion interactions a week with Alexa. There's over a hundred million devices collected to Alexa. And it is, from my understanding, one of the most complex machine learning um, models that is out there, right? So there's the there's the, the geeky data side of how impressive of a, of a thing it is. And you can very much see how that is geared towards a better experience because that's what we want Alexa to do. But um, it, it, it does get a bit creepy. But that's not fair, though, because some people buy perfume. And that's like my dead mother's perfume and they keep that going. Some people keep pictures. Some people have voicemails that they keep calling back, you know? So at what point do we want to draw the line and say, yo, that's too far? Now, you bring up a good point because as I was researching this, right, I came across this article that was like just a think piece. But it was saying like 200 years ago, most people didn't have like a picture of their loved one that passed away, right? Now, that's something we take for granted. That's like, of course, I got pictures of my grandmother or my great-grandmother, at least one, right? Somewhere in an old photo album in a dusty box that we always say that we're going to organize but never do, right? There's a picture of, you know, my great-uncle, right, who did some fly stuff or whatever. I can go and get that. But 200 years ago, that wasn't a thing, right? Now, we even have videos of our loved ones who passed away, right, that we can even, like, check out. So there are things that we have normalized because the technology has existed for long enough, and maybe this is a new way of memorializing people. Um, but to me, at this point, I'm I'm, creep I'm, re I'm willing to say, like, I just don't... I, I feel like... That's weird. I feel like it's not weird in the sense of, like... It's not weird in the sense of, like... That's not cool or there's something wrong with it. But it's it's too much to me in the sense of like, am I going to turn this? Am I, is it just me talking to this Alexa? Do I turn it off when I have guests? Because I don't necessarily want, like, maybe I want to talk to my dead grandmother, but I don't necessarily want her answering what the weather is when the guys are over trying to figure out what we're doing later today. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, there's, there's a, I don't know, there's a boundary being crossed somewhere and I can't quite put my finger on it to me. Well, we better get used to it because it's going to happen. And you think of virtual reality and what you could be, what you can accomplish with virtual reality. Yeah, you know, moments that you're able to capture and relive in almost uh, exactly how they went. You know, so there's a lot of potential in that type of technology. So we're definitely moving towards that. Where it gets particularly interesting, um, recently, a Google engineer who was working on Google Lambda, which is uh, Google's machine learning, uh, machine learning. A computer says that it was able to respond back in in its own uh, 
its own thinking, asking now, is AI able to be sentient, which is wild. So if you combine the fact that computers can now uh, identify questions and respond to them uh, with their own thinking, and then you add your grandmother's voice on top of that, you could be having a whole new type of grandma. And that's part of the things that their people are worried about too, right? Because like you might not wait until somebody's passed away to do that, right? If you don't like your uncle, if you don't like your your auntie, right? If you have confrontation with your sister, what's to stop people from creating a version of that person that they then perpetuate that confrontation with, right? Or like you know, you out here abusing this virtual version of your loved one, right? To kind of trying to, eh, it's just it's just issues. It it creates a kind of a, like a straw man, like a, an object to aim your emotions at that isn't the actual person or the confrontation that you need to have within yourself. And I think that's the issue that I that I have with it. Um, and we've seen people like get like I got deep in researching this. Right, this is this is dude named Joshua Barbeau, right? Uh, B a r b e a u, right? And he basically had access to this chat room. That would that allowed him to input some text from his uh, his passed away fiance and really basically capture the way that she would respond to questions uh, in a limited chat format and like allow him to interact right and when you read his story right that like it's deep man it's deep this man was really trying to this man was in love lost his uh fiance to um a medical condition involving her liver and was really like trying to use this chatbot in a healthy way to get over her right and to to move forward and like it goes from as serious examples as that to like if you I, I I didn't even notice I didn't remember this but I also found in my research that in 2020 Kanye had uh Kim the Kardashian uh their dad the dude that was a lawyer on the OJ case Rob Kardashian Rob Kardashian he created a hologram of their dead dad to say happy birthday to Kim but also to say that congratulations on marrying the most 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 genius man in the world like <laughs> yo I, did, I forgot that part of that story that, so, that does make it a bit wild but you see what i'm saying is like we just get into this place where it, it's it's so close to being emotionally manipulative that like that might outweigh um what what it could potentially do as a as a tool right unless it's in a very controlled environment so it's funny because when i'm reading this right alexa like they announced this at the amazon event where they're saying yo alexa's gonna have this new capability i love to see like big money throw shade at big money because that same day basically like oh like i think it was like a couple hours before they made the announcement microsoft come out and was like yeah we're putting in these ai guidelines uh, so that this stuff don't get out of control. We think other companies are handling it irresponsibly. And if you hear anybody announce some crazy AI stuff, be scared. And what Microsoft is putting out is actually very, like, uh, it's, it, it makes me feel better, right? They're saying they would require companies to apply for permission to make artificial voices. Whole nother thing. The dead people can't get permission. But anyway, 
you got to ask for permission to apply the artificial voices, and they're saying that they're going to watermark them with a, an audible signal. So you can still listen to it. You can still hear it. But you can also watermark. They're watermarking with the signal that you can't hear so that you can always <laughs> verify. No no cap. You can always verify whether this was the real person or whether it was the whether it was a fabricated recording. Because you can see where this gets like, did he really say that? Did she really say that? They're putting things in place to like make it at least reasonable so we can always verify whether it was a person or not. You feel me? Grandma's going to say no cap at the end of sentences so you can identify it's actually her saying those words. No, 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 no. no. Like, imagine like white noise in the background. So like if you if they say, hold up, man, they said Zway said this crazy thing that he would never say that was back in his past. But and that you get you have a way of proving when they play the recording. Is this actually something Zway said or is this a, a fabricated thing made to slander my guy? It's interesting territory. You're right, because it really gets into like talking about uh, global, uh, artificial global intelligence, that AGI world where computers and computers are increasingly being able to have the capabilities of thinking to themselves what they call um, open play, where they can compete against each other. Um, they, they can devise strategies un, unassisted and the code that it takes to set them about going through that is getting more complex. So the things that we can do with just coding and data is getting more complex, which is what Amazon found about Alexa. It was saying, hey, yo, listen, you guys can be mad at us, but the stats say y'all love this. <laughs> the stats say you guys are at, you absolutely love this. So 30% of all of Amazon's, um, of all of Alexa's interactions are pre-formative so it will anticipate what it is that you want and it will action on that so this is things as like starting coffee this is things as like uh letting you know to wake up this is things informing you of if your garage is up i don't have alexa you know what i'm saying but it does uh alexa's calculating and able to do something before you can think about it and that's the service that's increasing more so in order to be able to do that they've opened the technology to be influenced by voice by sound, this is even crazy. Amazon, if if uh, Alexa is connected to a camera, it can pick up when you're moving your head or not moving your head to really define if you're speaking to it or you're speaking around it. So it's tracking so many different layers of human interaction just so that it, it can see you do it before you do it and then enact it because that's what we want. I guess that's what we want. But let me ask you all this, right? Do you all really want... Your deceased relative to know all that about you. Because you for sure wasn't telling them that when they was alive. You wasn't telling them everything when you was waking up, when you was getting your eye jammies out. You wasn't telling them, right, when you scratching your butt. I don't want my grandma to be, oh, you scratched your butt. Buy Hanes, new boxer briefs, breathables. <laughs> like, come on, man. We getting, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Y'all going to integrate my dead relative with some stuff, with some advertisements, and I'm not down for it. That's manipulative. I, do, I don't need you to advertise to me. In, in the voice, I gave you this voice. But I messed with what you were saying earlier about taking, yo, I would definitely put it in Biggie's voice, right? I would definitely put it in somebody who's maybe not as close to me, but somebody who's, you know, Bob Marley's voice, right? And if their households and estates or whatever give permission for that to be licensed and whatnot, right? I know Prince ain't going for that. <laughs> but I know it's a lot of people that's going to have a Prince uh, Alexa in a few months when they release this, man. So 
it's complicated um and it and there's highs and lows to it in 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 humor and in depth and in gravity and it's just one of those topics that like i don't know i don't know if there's any answers but it's coming the tidal wave of technology is coming i used to when i was a kid i used to be like wow like mp3 players and ipods and stuff like i live in the best time for technology and now as an adult i feel like we're going over the edge I'm going to see it. I didn't think I was going to see it, but now I think I'm going to see it. it. I think we're going to see it. (laughs) I think we're seeing the edge. I think we're coming close to the edge. What's interesting and what I didn't appreciate looking into this is that the news article was quite widespread. A lot of people were engaging with it. But when you actually source back the video of the senior vice presidents of Alexa discussing it at their RE Mars conference, it only has 91 views. So it's insane that like you, you really see that it was a very small portion of what was being spoken about. They took that snippet and ran with it. Because if you really do break down a lot of the topics of what they were covering, not just in that keynote speech, not in that conference, they're actually talking about some very interesting ways of utilizing um, new forms of robotics and intelligence to combat climate change. They're talking about potentially using robots to stop forest fires. They're talking about uh, automatic uh, agricultural systems. So where we like to we like to really point out the negative things that big company is doing which is fair but at the same time big company is also very responsible for a large amounts of research and dev and a lot of research and dev right now is looking to improve the world so they were highlighting on that so if anybody is geeky and wants to look into that um it's uh the machine learning automation robotics and space conference that came out there's some pretty there's some pretty dope stuff these guys are thinking they they think about how to save the world in interesting ways. Yeah, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's like beyond what I can even conceptualize and what they create and what these companies. And I think it's really dope that like for sure there's companies that are investing in technologies that are really going to help things be sustainable. That's fire. I really appreciate that. I think we need to put extra care when those technologies are directly interfacing with our human brains, which are imperfect. And I think there's a lot of technologies that amplify those imperfections. So I think in those areas, I'm especially, what's the word? Not scrutinous, but that's what I'm going to say. Scrutinous, a mad scrutinous of these companies in those areas where they directly interacting with us. But yeah, man, go check out the conference. Go check out all of those dope resources my brother pointed us to. We about to get into current news yeah we are welcome back Miles Xavier on current news you know every single week we uh, look into what's happening in the news source and we reach out to y'all to let us know what to speak about um, things that are relevant. Um, recently, RMT, which is the train railway network service in the UK, has gone on a three-day strike on um, a strike that has seen 40,000 of its members walk out, effectively rendering the London tubing system almost completely um, at a halt. Only 20% of the trains and services in the in London right now are are moving. People are in arms. They're screaming at each other. Again, we've seen the unionizing being put to work. Um, we're seeing a union led by Mick Lynching speak out and say that a lot of, over the times of, uh, over COVID, 
no one has seen a pay increase within that network system, even though they worked through COVID, whereas inflation rates went up. And so they've acted out in this manner. What I was interested to come ask you about, because you're an activist and you fully believe in um, people mobilizing in order to initiate change. When is posting too far? Because people not saying that because of this interruption and this walkout, a lot of people in London are not inconvenienced in being able to move around. Doctors are not able to get to hospitals. And so surgeons are having to reschedule um, appointments. You know, there's um, a lot of people that are impacted by this. Old people might not be able to get their caregivers to come see them. So uh, the backlash has been this is a selfish uh, selfish act by the, the, the railway network. Mm. I think I love the way that you intro this segment. Because I think you touched on a lot of things that are really highlighted by this story that are related to organizing and how to share information, but also how to create disruption that requires people to pay attention and to look at what you're doing, right? So when you do get 40,000 people together as an organizer, I, I take my hat off to you, right? If, you, if your goal is really to empower people. Um, and that, that seems to be what they're trying to do. The people that are at least working the railway, 40,000 cleaners, signalers, maintenance workers and station staff uh, were holding 24 hour strikes on multiple days, uh, including Thursday and this past Saturday. And so I feel you, man. I feel you. Right. Because there are people that do have jobs that are related to saving lives that rely on public transportation um, to get to their job. But so this is so this is this is my pie in the sky as an organizer, right? This is this is what I would suggest in a perfect world. In a perfect world, you would be able to your organizing, your network would allow you to get forty thousand people together, which is a lot of people. Forty thousand people can't keep a secret. But let's stay in my my beautiful organizing world, right? If you can get forty thousand people that are doing the jobs that are you're trying to empower together, right? Hopefully within that network, you're also connected to some people who work uh, with hospitals that work with other first responders in different respects. And you can say to them, hey, we're organizing this strike. Uh, we want to make sure that those who are providing essential services are still able to provide those essential services. So here are some alternative forms of transportation that you can get priority to in the ideal, ideal world. You would also have some connections to those transportation hubs to be able to say, hey, we need you to make some extra provisions for surgeons, uh, paramedics, such and such on this day. Now, the problem comes in when you want to inform all those people that you still want to move around to make sure that everything can operate safely. But you don't want to inform so many people that the strike has no effect. Everybody is no one is inconvenienced by the strike. And actually, they feel like. Oh, it doesn't really matter if these workers take this time off because we're still able to move around and do what we do. And do we really even need them? So there's a sweet spot there that's incredibly difficult to navigate as an organizer. It seems that what their RMT is calling for and the union party that represents them is they're calling for 11 percent increase in pay. They're saying that um, they also are. Calling for the jobs that are supposed to be cut, the mandated job cuts, that would see effectively 3,000 people get their job cuts replaced by machines, 
um, and, and and inside checking in, they're saying that a lot of those workers are actually going to be coming from the safety inspection um, department. So a lot of the safety inspection officers also risk getting their jobs cut. Um, and so they're calling for an end to that. What's important, I think, to point out is that this is a conversation that has been going on for two years. Um, it's not a conversation that is just starting now. What you're seeing is the um, the the last frustrations after years of negotiations of uh, union um, taking taking act. But that's why I love coming here to speak to you about it because I like what you said about there's ways where other organizations can work together in order to effectively still carry this out. You know, I think I think that's very important. What Mick Lynching was saying is that a lot of the efforts that activists, especially unions, could do in the UK, such as a, uh, a a soft a soft strike. This would be where they don't necessarily do 80% of all of the workers um, walking out, but it would be a phased-in approach or something as opening the gates so that riders can move in for free. That's a form of protesting, right? So it would still see people not inconvenienced but it would affect the bottom line of the larger corporations forcing them to act. But when you realize that those have also been made illegal um, in the UK, they're saying that they're only forced into a place where they have to make this decision. And as it stands now, uh, Boris Johnson is looking to uh, make that illegal. Yeah. And it's a lot to pay attention to, right? Unless you're a, unless you're an organizer yourself, you're probably not really paying attention to the laws that they're passing in terms of different forms of protests that are acceptable, unacceptable, and the punishments that they're rendering for these different levels of, of inconveniencing the public, right? But you have to know that as a protester. You have to be able to navigate that. And so I think what, what Mick Lynch has been able to do um, and the way that he's been able to be a charismatic leader that has been able to also know what he's talking about and and not fold under the pressure of media scrutiny um and 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 just try to represent the people that he's that he's standing for i think is i think is commendable um at least on the on the in this particular area that he's representing his peoples it's um it's tough, man. I'm glad you gave me a little bit of space to talk about how complex it is, because in addition to some of the people that might be inconvenienced by the actual transportation, it's also businesses on the ground, right? They're saying that the businesses that rely on foot traffic uh, were hit hard because when people can't get into the inner city, especially just for leisure activities, um, it hurts those local businesses. And so there's so much to, to take into account, and it's so important to extend that that network of, of organizing to these people and to try and support them in any way that you can, right? Maybe you let some of these people have a pop-up at the protest because their businesses are being hit. There's different ways that you can work around it, but this is a, another one of those stories that really just hits on so many so many issues and is connected to so much of what we've already talked about, right? If you've been following us, we've talked about strikes in the in Amazon, in the automotive industry. This isn't this isn't an isolated incident. In fact, earlier this year, British Airways in the aviation industry, their workers voted to strike, right? So it seems like there's a lot of folks that are working these jobs that used to be looked at as a really viable way to make a living are now pushing back against the the lack of increase in pay. That means that they don't make as much as they don't make enough to get by on these jobs, which even if they're working a lot of hours, if they can get the hours, right? So there's, there's, these are jobs that I used to think of as like, 
you was cool, right? You was doing pretty good if you was working in aviation. If you was walking around with the pilots, bypassing security, you was good. So for those for people in all of these types of jobs to be responding this way and to be pushing back and to be organizing, I think speaks to a larger economic issue um, that we all need to brace ourselves for. History repeats itself because what I was what I saw is they said this was the biggest strike in this um, the biggest strike in thirty years, right? The biggest strike in thirty years. And when you read back at 1989, like what was actually being spoken about at that same time when they did a full shutdown 30 years back, it it sounds eerily the same. They're, they're crying out for the same thing, you know? So it does seem like there is a pattern of, of sorts when it comes to it. So on both ends, and where it gets complicated for me, on both ends of the spectrum, on one side, if I've got my business wear cap on, I would look at it and say, okay, um, this... This particular company is $16 billion down in revenue from when it was before COVID. So it's taken a $16 billion knock. Um, travelers are n- not using the railway as much. They're saying as much as 25% of, there's been a 25% dec- decrease in people in London using the two. So there's a decrease in how many people are using it. And then, you know, that from a business element, you could say, okay, that's what's happening. Also, over that same time, Nobody, everyone worked through COVID without taking a, a pay decrease. At the time where everybody was taking a pay decrease, they kept those, they kept their pay equal. Um, so it, it gets tricky from a business perspective because I'm thinking, obviously, that makes sense. If my revenues are down and my, my, my bottom line is down, the first thing I got to do is cut jobs and they haven't made that jump yet. But if you're talking from it from, um, when you look at it from a larger perspective, on who are the companies that are involved in this process of keeping these companies alive. Sure, there might be a decrease in revenue this side, but we also know that over COVID, this was the largest jump in wealth creation that we've seen. And the UK and a lot of these other companies and a lot of the the, the, the larger stakeholders of those companies have made an exuberant amount of money, more wealth created in this particular period than in the last hundred, is what they're saying. In this short moments, these last 10 years even, accelerated by COVID. So there's been a huge, you know, uh, spread in the wealth gap, in the wealth gap split. And that's what Mike Lynching is speaking about, this union leader. He's saying (laughs) it's actually about the split in, this is a matter that involves the government making a significant amount of profits with the people that they're in business with, but not wanting to extend and assistance to the people that were working through that and keeping those companies alive. So it's interesting to see this in a, in what is supposed to be hailed as the best banking system in the world or the best economic system in the world. It's it's it's, it's quite fascinating. I love how you broke that down because it is it is tough, man. It is complex, and I love how you gave that business angle side of it. Right, we're hearing a very similar stories from the oil companies, right, saying that hey, when COVID hit, people weren't. The prices dropped and we haven't recouped. We need to recoup. You know what I'm saying? How are we going to make good on this? Uh, and you're seeing that people are often getting the squeeze, So, which brings me to my next point, which is I think my response is that it is a fight. It is a it is a negotiation and it is a, and it is a business deal where both people bring valid interests to the table. But I think what we need to see more of is the people who are 
like I said, cleaners, um, the signalers, the maintenance workers, we need to see them have equal power at that negotiation table. We need to see their interests reflected at that negotiation table. And they often say in business, a great deal, you know the mark of that when nobody walks away happy, right? But when you talk about this wealth creation, this gap, somebody's walking away from that table pretty happy if they're, if we're creating more billionaires than we've ever created, right, through these businesses. And so I think increasing the power of the individual worker and not only the individual worker but the worker's ability to organize and and to form a collective will allow us to really look into the way that whatever resources are available are being allocated at that table um because if only the people with the power you know if only the people who run the company have power at that table then they're only going to scrutinize themselves and how they're spending that money so far uh the other last point I'll make on this is that I think it's dope that, like you said, this is history repeating itself. Something that we big up on this show all the time is looking to our past to understand these moments that we're currently going through. But it's also dope to see in this particular case, like new issues joining and making the connecting points to issues that are economic. So climate justice groups have also joined the RMT picket lines to argue that the government needs to make a point not only of investing in its workers, but investing in these public transportation systems in a sustainable way to avoid the worst impacts of global warming with individual vehicles, right? So to see people and organizers make that link, and like I said, expand that network, all right, cool, let's get the surgeons, the first responders involved, let's get the businesses that were uh, relying on foot traffic involved too, let's make them a part of the organizational network, let's see how... Many people can keep a secret so that this still has the disruptive effect it needs to to make a difference, and let's continue to organize from there. I'm inspired by what's going on. Seek out your local community organizers over issues that you care about. Miles over here is a community organizer himself. Miles, if somebody is, say, in Chicago and they want to get active and they want to get down with the cause, what would you suggest that somebody does? Hmm. Hmm. I'm not up on ways that they are recruiting uh, physical help from folks across the pond in this railway strike. So I would say this one. Not is the like, railway strike, just in general. Just okay, in general. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, you're going to have to reach into your wallets to help them folks over there with it. But um, look at, look at, so what do you do? What is your workplace like? Um, are you happy in it? Is it cool? Is it comfortable? Do you feel respected in it? Cool. What is your community like, right? Are you happy in it? Do you feel safe? Whichever of those spaces there's an issue that resonates with you in, seek out the folks that are organizing around that. And you can seek it out on the platforms you're already on, right? Uh, type in community and the whatever you're interest, interested in, whether it's animals, community, animals, and your town, right? Put that in Instagram, put that in Google, uh, and look at the people who are already doing the work. If you've been galvanized by the week. By the by, the decisions that we've seen come down from the Supreme Court this week, uh, look up women's rights. Go ahead and type that in, women's rights, community, and whatever your town is. See who's organizing around that. Um, and, and volunteer. Though you, we can always go to our wallets, but what I would... What I would encourage everybody to who looks at the world around them and wants to see a change to really do is see where you can volunteer your time. Um, where can you go and whether it's take notes, clean up, whether it's put up chairs, take down tents, um, where can you contribute to the movement where the people are, are doing the work on the ground? That's all I got. Look, at, look out for your local mosques. Look out for your local churches. 
Um, those are always great places for people who are just doing good for the purpose of doing good, handing out sandwiches, giving out food. Um, that's always a good place to check. Impact, art, information. Miles, where else can people get this type of information from, bro? See, give a curated content experience. And we study, we, we read articles from 30 years ago to understand what the railway strikes were happening like, just so we can be up to speed. You know, you hear my brother here, Miles, dig deep into the history of protests in the UK. But still, it seems <laughs> every week, the part of the show that gets the most views is a specific part of the show. Big facts. All they want is that R&R. Yeah, this one right here, this one right here, yo, we, um, we don't play favorites, right? If, if it, if it's hot, it's hot. If it's not, it's not right. But there are certain people who we come to respect. We come to expect some heat from. And Westside Boogie is definitely one of those people. So it is a, a exciting day and a beautiful way to cap the weekend, at least for me, to be reviewing Westside Boogie, more black superheroes. More black superheroes is the third offering from Boogie, formerly Boogie, since being on Shady Records. Um, Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute, because I'm confused about this. Because I is he's formerly boogie. He's now Westside boogie. He's now Westside boogie. Formerly just boogie. Because he was Westside boogie first, and then he was boogie. No, now he's Westside boogie again. He was boogie first, and now he's Westside boogie. Are you sure? I think Thirst Forty Eight was Westside boogie, the first one. It it says literally boogie on the album cover. Oh, but they be changing (laughs) it. They be changing, (laughs) but they be. Maybe changing. Hey, man, listen. It don't matter. The album before this, I thought um, Everything for Sale was one of the best hip-hop albums that came out. Very deep, very thoughtful. Um, a near-perfect listen. So I always, if if this is rap, if this is the, the rap Olympic scene, I always have Boogie as my underdog on who would be the next up. Miles, in response to me saying that, you would always put up folks like, Reason and say reason is a better competitor. You put out folks like JID and say JID is a, a better competitor. No, I never said no JID was. I never said JID was better than Boogie. Not that. Not never that. After this, who would you say is then? Uh, I think you're leaving out my man. Who I, I, I mean, I didn't wear the shirt today, but I think Isaiah Rashad has always been like, if you if you want to talk about who makes the best music. Uh, of the generation under Cole, Kendrick, and Drake, I've always said Isaiah Rashad. Um, but you're right. I think Reason, the, I think uh, There You Have It, I think you could put that album up next to any of these boys' albums, even this one. And it, you, you're going to have a long day with that album. I think that's a very, very good project. I get that he's got a, he's got a, he's got a voice that isn't super... 
I can see if you could get ear fatigue. I can see how people don't really love the voice, but you're talking about lyrically and craft the music. My man is up there. Um, so yeah, I, I, but I don't. I don't want to review. Uh, I don't want to review reasons. Reasons projects, but I would say that um, new beginnings. I think that's the second one. The he's in that conversation for sure. But with this with this album, I think what Boogie's done is Boogie's shown that he can continue to make get better at the type of music that he already makes. Um, and that is a perfectly valid way of competing with whoever is there in the mainstream, whoever is there with um, trying to be, take on that next lane. Because he doesn't seem like he's super interested in trying to make sure that he's known as the heir to any of these guys. Um, I think he's really just showing that his the music that he makes um, can stand with anybody else. So while I, I, don't, I don't know if I would say that this puts him immediately at the front of that pack i would say that he's he ain't falling off and other guys should be scared if this is what he puts out now i i'm putting him right up there with who i think is going to be next up because when it comes to vulnerable music you know and vulnerable hip-hop and we think about the space that we want hip-hop to grow into um how, how we want it to mature the lane of vulnerability is how hip hop can mature best, you know. And you're right, Isaiah Rashad is definitely pushing that lane. The interesting thing about Boogie is that Boogie fans have always had this three person dichotomy of who Boogie is. There's always the romantic side singing Boogie, you know, this is your silent ride Boogie, this is your ballad Boogie. And then you have your ratchet Boogie, you know, and then you have uh, the more intellectual lover boy, broken hearted man Boogie. So there's always been this three-person or three-sounding sides to Boogie that he puts in every album. And funny enough, that's been what has deterred a lot of people from listening to Boogie's album um, because they might listen to maybe one of those three sounds and decide, nah, the same for me. But it's actually quite layered, you know? I think Everything for Sale was a very strong body of work and how cohesive it was in going in between those layers. So it was a, a very intentful ride of taking you from the singing side to the rapping side. And then again, um, you know, riding that wave. I think in this particular album, he does it a bit different than that. I don't think it goes as smooth. I don't want to say I don't think it goes as smooth as everything for sale. But I think the intention was to show the the clashing of those personalities. That's why a lot of those sounds, a lot of those songs had two sounds on them you know it would have a one start and then it would jump into something else one start and jump into something else there's a lot of that um so you know i think intentionally it's not it doesn't have that very smooth ride such as everything for sale but how he puts this together i think is quite spectacular that's the best way i've seen that done over a few songs yeah i think you did uh i mean we could wrap the review up there we won't, but you did a really great job recapping, I think, what this album is trying to do, how it's trying to build on his past work and the personalities and personas that he's established. So I think you really did a great job summarizing it. Um, I would say that when I listen to this album, I'm reminded of... So a lot of times when an album, a lot of hip-hop, our favorite artist comes out, I'm always... It's one of those things where it's like I'm I'm left wanting more slap i'm left wanting more something hard something you know what i mean but it seems like on these albums a lot of a lot of artists that think of themselves as lyrical that think of themselves as creating higher art 
tend to go for the more introspective lyrics, and that carries over into the beats, right? Um, and then listening to this album, it is it is very. I mean, Killer Mode is the aggression of what he's saying on the track is already. I don't know if dampened is the right word, but it's the word I'm gonna use by the the floweriness of the instrumentals, right? So he's he and he continues to do that, and it it's very reminiscent to me of Vince Staples. We can get into our behind the state behind the scenes hot takes on this album in a mm-hmm. second, in a second. But I think what this album does for me is it makes me it satisfies even if I'm like I know Boogie can make more songs like. I more songs like can't even lie that really have that slap to him. The content makes me, I'm glad I got this because of what he's saying on it. Um, and that's just an interesting trend in rap to me for people to be picking these more rap is a lot more down tempo. I think than it was in the late two thousands these days. You agree? I would say, I think a lot of people will miss the slaps on this album. If you don't go through the whole album. Because a lot of the songs, the second half of them, they, they turn into slappers, right? If you look at uh, LOL SMH2, the first half is chill, but then it turns into uh, a wild beat. You listen to Anthony, the last track on the album, it starts off very introspective, and it gets into some super ratchet stuff. So if I'm thinking about boogie albums with the most slap-heavy stuff, like Killer Mode, slaps, bro. That, it's <laughs> Killer Mode slaps. I like how that's our review. Killer mode slaps, bro. You know, but uh, I think this is the most, this is the most uh, contemporary slap sounding boogie contribution yet. There's more slaps that I'll run to here um, than many other up boogie albums. For me personally, I think this is one of my favorite albums of the year. This is this is talking to me. I agree. Uh, this is this is one of the best offerings that I've that I've heard this year. Um, and I yeah I don't want to I don't want to belabor the point of just like, like the down tempo beats, but yeah I just feel like it's it's when what Kendrick put forth, um, what we've heard from J Cole recently. There's a it's a lot of it's interesting that rappers are going that direction. Um, hot takes right. I heard this album. I said. <laughs> I said, what is the difference between Westside Boogie and Vince Staples? Not that I don't know the answer, but just that I'm in, that's a I think that's a question. When you listen to Ramona Park Broke My Heart and when you listen to this, what would you say differentiates those two projects? And I artists? think Vince Staples is very, very talented. I think is what it is. I think Vince Staples is extremely talented because you're right. I didn't even make that connection, but now that you're pointing it out. It's obvious. You know I get sneezy when I talk about good hip-hop. So I think Vince Staples is a is extremely talented. There yeah, that that's that bring that makes you question really how how good he is because he drops two albums almost within a span of the year, which embody this similar type of dichotomy. Uh, Boogie Boogie is very uh Boogie is able to get very articulate in his introspection. I think is the main difference, right? Where um yeah, I think Boogie's Boogie's able to get a lot more vulnerable when it comes to what he chooses to rap about. Whereas Vince Staples is um he's he's able to I wouldn't say his rapping gets as vulnerable per se. I would say I would I'm maybe I'm splitting hairs. I would say Vince 
get Vince can be as vulnerable, but he doesn't get as specific or personal. Boogie gets it feels like Boogie's telling you all shit that really happened to him that like he really felt while Vince seems like he's incorporating the homies and what the streets be like in a way that we feel, but maybe that it doesn't get as specific. So I, I, I I'd rock with that as, as a key difference between them. Um, I would say to me, I would say that Boogie Boogie has a lot more differentiated sounds, right? I think Vince does a good job of incorporating, of making a cohesive project that's all a vibe, but Boogie will give you a little bit of everything. It's a little bit more distinct. Um, the hit, the the slap. You can't say that. Mitchell's. You don't think so? I was gonna say you can't say that when Vince Staples is giving you a dance album. You know, but, no, oh, no, you're you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You're from album to album. Vince is more diverse, but in within an album like Ramona Park, the you could play the the most up tempo song and the most down tempo song back to back, and they wouldn't skip a beat, right? Whereas if you put I next to, um, I don't know, Windows Down or Prideful, right? You know what I mean? There's a, it's a little bit more distinct. That's my take on it. Um, but you're absolutely right. Vince goes. Vince will dedicate a project to a whole sound, um, and that sound might be, you know, a lot more up tempo. The other hot take from this conversation behind the scenes, man, is that you had said that you felt like Boogie had. Yeah. A... <laughs> you said that you felt like Boogie had accomplished with this album what Kendrick was trying for. Uh, with Miss Morale and the Big Steppers. I'm just going to leave that there and let you explain what you... I walked that back, bro. I walked that hot take back, bro. I, you literally backed away. Wow. <laughs> I, walked, <laughs> I, walked that, I walked that back. But I think uh, it, it serves the same purpose. Clearly, hip-hop is being a lot more vulnerable or it's trying to to be a lot more vulnerable. I really, I really enjoyed this. And... I was interested to hear what you think because you didn't have Boogie ranked so high in the the space of uh, of the potential next ups. Where does what does this album do to you in your hierarchy of where he sits? I kind of disagree. I feel like Boogie was always three. It was Zay, Reason, and Boogie to me. Um, and no disrespect to Kenny Mason or Mick Jenkins or Saba. Um, or any of the other like Jid, right? Like, but it was always it was always those those three to me. And I think with reason, this makes me go, I need something really, really good from reason again. Right? But I would say that um I like Everything's for Sale by Boogie just as much as I like There You Have It by Reason. And that's being generous, I think, to everything's for sale. And I think Thirst 48, 1 and 2 by Boogie. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel those about as much. Those are those are worth about as much as New Beginnings to me by reason. Maybe a little bit more. So the two could go back and forth. Um, but I don't think this quite puts him over Isaiah Rashad for me in that race. Though this project, if I had to rate it, I would give it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, I think it's really, really good. I think I feel what you were saying when you were saying that it accomplishes what Kendrick was trying to do. I think it feel it feels like he was trying to be more vulnerable than rappers are, still let his skill and his confidence carry 
him to a place that you have to respect in spite of the vulnerability of the content. But I think that he didn't, he tried, he stuck mostly with relationships, particularly with heteronormative relationships, and particularly within the sphere of things that are relatable to him. Whereas Kendrick went a lot further, I think, in trying to take on multiple perspectives and address topics that I don't think he fully has a crystallized thought on, but allowing people to see the vulnerability of being unsure about what you're talking about, I think is a little bit different than what's accomplished here. Yeah. That being said, more enjoyable than the Kendrick album. Um, True. I think this is a great offering of work. My brother said 4.5 out of 5. I'd be remiss to disagree. Put this at a 4 point. This has been, I've been rinsing this album. I have been playing this album nonstop since it came out in all different types of settings. I can't wait to hear this. Driving down Cape Town uh, by Signal Hill, bumping this out loud, man. It should be a treat to hear and grow with this and grow with this album. Hit the people with your highlights one time. Oh man, where do I start? This is a new perfect that killer. LOL SMH two fires. I think that might be some of my favorite stuff. Ratchet book, Anthony at Wars. For me, man, this is like an eight out of twelve album. Very, very high percentage. I like a lot of these songs. Um, those are my favorite. What about yours? Uh I'm stuck on stuck. I saw that at the color show and I thought that that was fire from there. Stuck. Um I like killer mode. But it's really stuck. Can't even lie. I, uh, war, and that ratchet bug. Those are my. Those are those joints that I really. This is, yeah. This is a mm-hmm. fire next step. Fire next phase for my man Boogie. Um, always appreciate getting to review great hip hop. We know we can never keep up. Another one of my favorite artists, Kevin Gates, dropped. Um, no, we're not reviewing that Drake. Um. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. Maybe, maybe. Uh what else, man? The Dirk dropped the deluxe. Um I feel like there's some R and B stuff that I'm that I'm sleeping on, but man, hope y'all are having a good summer. Lupe bro. Fi- Lupe Fiasco dropped as well. Oh, true. Um, yeah. There's been a whole lot of albums. There's been a whole lot of music that's dropped. Next week we're gonna come back in here and talk potentially about Black Odyssey, who I think personally, personally is the black horse in all of this. Really? Black Odyssey. I know Odyssey. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I know Black Odyssey. Maybe I'm... I don't know. And that's exactly what we're going to bring them. <laughs> right, for sure that. For sure that. I'm with that. Yo, man. We know. We know. It is Sunday afternoon. Um, it's a lot going on in the world. And it's summertime. Right? Summertime is a finite resource at least on this side in Chicago. So if you are on this side and you are experiencing summertime, then we invite you to go ahead and experience that. You've experienced the best of podcasting. You really have. It's a lot of them. It's really too many. But this is the one, right? It must be because you're here. If you're hearing my voice right now, then you chose correctly. Thank you for joining us in this celebration of celebration, the celebration of life, the celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't feel good's way. Wear it every day. Can't get up out of here. Without saying one more again, shout out to the ladies um, in solidarity with with all people that are fighting for the rights of women, um, holding our head as a podcast, as a production house, as a family, 
uh, and we're going to really try and get some of these resources in the descriptions in the chat for these videos. So stay tuned for that. Uh, it's love. And you know what that means? It's time to eat something delicious, to hug somebody that you love, and that like that, peace, water, we gone. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though?